0: Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Morning. Welcome to OCC. Once again, we are in a series of messages where we're drawing some major themes out of the Bible and seeing how some of them intersect with some of the classic Christmas movies that we Typically watched during this season, and so so far we've looked at the themes of forbearance and the theme of honor, and we've talked about how they intersect with the movie White Christmas last week on the uh, the issue of honor. And this week, the film we're sort of uh, going to use to uh, interact with is a uh, is is the film Christmas Vacation. It's sort of the epitome of what we're tempted to hope after in. Christmas time. Uh, the main character of this movie, his name is Clark. He's a guy that just wants a good old-fashioned family Christmas. And merry means this. It means cheerful or lively. And he's looking for that. He wants something to cheer him up. And if you could have it your way. What, what would cheer you up at the end of 2018? What would bring you cheer? It could be a mix of Things that come to your mind could be a mix of gifts, maybe a certain amount of money in the bank, maybe a relationship, or maybe some experience that you're hoping you'll you'll have. Uh, this morning, we're going to really look at the issue of hope in the Bible. What does the scripture says say about hope and and how we how we have uh, can have a hope that is, is firm and secure? And we're going to draw up some ideas from the movie Christmas Vacation uh, to. Really make a contrast in what God says is is firm and reliable and then something that's pretty shaky and so uh, who just show of hands who has seen the movie uh, Christmas vacation you know you, know, you may years you're, you're like i don't know if I should have raised my hand on this one but <laughs> here's some background if you've never seen this before clark griswold he's a he's a father he's had some trouble in the past with delivering a really solid uh, vacation for his family, and so he he decides this year is going to be different. And he wraps up all of his hope into having the perfect Griswold family Christmas. So we have have a trailer we're going to show you.
1: After vacationing across America and throughout Europe, this holiday season, the Griswolds are going to play it safe. Clark, we're stuck under a truck! They're staying at home. I give you the Griswold family Christmas tree. Hope you're not getting sap all over your sweater, Clark. All Clark wants is a quiet, old fashioned Christmas. Sorry. You work on that. What he's going to get is the gift that keeps on living. Merry Christmas. His family. We didn't come to impose. But no holiday could ever be more deeply touching
0: gonna call, but Eddie wanted to make it a surprise. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now.
1: <laughs> ah, I'm really gonna fly down the hill with this stuff. So genuinely moving. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere? Leave you for dead? If Santa is smart, he will stay well clear of this joint. It's a death
0: trap. <laughs> woo And Christmas with the Grizzlies.
1: I want you to say grace. I pledge allegiance to the flag. The United States of America.
0: This year, let Chevy Chase light up your holidays. <laughs> National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation.
1: That thing had nine lives. She just spent them all. <laughs> you will crack up.
0: recommend going to watch this with your kids. It's just, it's not, not appropriate. So <laughs> it it it's got an interesting message. There's some redeeming message in there uh, because you see things unraveling and you can reflect on that. Uh, but Clark, this this father, he's just hoping to to build something that would bring it together for him at the end of the year. And it it just falls apart. I mean he cuts down this This amazing tree, they go like off-roading and uh, hiking through the – or they they go hiking through the snow, and they cut down this amazing tree. It's too big for their house. They – in his mind, he's just going to have the parents over, but then there's a ring at the door, and it's like his his cousin that shows up, uh, Eddie. And Eddie's difficult to deal with, as you saw from the trailer. Uh, he, he's got these other ideas, like we're going to take everyone's sledding, and, and dads, whenever you think you've got a really good idea, and it's like, you know, you think back to what you did in the past, you should stop right there. <laughs> like, we did this before, it was great. <laughs> well, what Clark decides to do, he wants to take the family sledding, he applies a product that his company had been working on, he applies it to the bottom of the of the saucer, it's this non- it, he, he describes it as a non-caloric, based silicon-based kitchen lubricant. That is, in his words, it creates a, a surface 500 times more slippery than any cooking oil. And so he hops on this thing, and you saw that flash of lightning going on the screen. That was him sliding down the hill, and so nearly kills him. You know, he's also determined to just put on a huge light display for everyone in his neighbor to enjoy, and he strings together. 250 strands of lights, and he, he pulls the family out to, to show it off to them, and he can't get the thing to light. He plugs it in, and he's just disappointed because something's going wrong. It's because there's a switch, I think, in the basement that people keep turning off, and that switch has to be on for all these lights to work, and he doesn't realize it. So at least he just can have a great dinner. So they cook up this fat bird for everybody to enjoy. and he, This is, again, he's just it shows what he's hoping in. He cuts into it, and it just – it's totally dried out. They overcooked it. It's like turkey jerky. It's like cracking when they're eating it the whole time. So literally everything that he had planned in this film is a huge disappointment. And this is really our common experience in life. We put our hope in things. We put our hope in some experience or some purchase or some set of circumstances that would come together, only to find out that they don't, and then we're disappointed over and over, when things don't play out the way we'd hope this this is really not a new experience. Hope is something that it's something that we we understand as humans. We find it in the Bible that once sin entered the world, once Adam and Eve rebelled, sin's consequences have just hit us hard they've hit us hard, and so we want to hope and we we put our hope in something. Believing that there's something that could just kind of reach down and lift us out of the gloom. Some experience or some purchase or something that could kind of lighten our life experience because of the effects of sin. So hope is not anything new. And, and you see Clark, he's just he's hoping for a change. He's hoping for good and cheer. I want to show you a, a, a different video, not from this movie, but a, from a ministry called The Bible Project. And this is a, a group of guys that have a video production company. Uh, they they use these videos to help people understand themes in the Bible, words in the Bible, uh, major concepts in the Bible. And this video in particular will help us understand the biblical concept of hope. Like When the Bible says hope, what does that mean? We think hope in, in English, and we probably have an, an image in our mind. There are a few different ideas in the scripture that we translate in English as hope. And so I want you to put your thinking caps on. Because, and listen very carefully, because it's a pretty fast video. They move rather quickly through some Hebrew and Greek words. But they're helping to, to see how these words are used in the Bible. Uh, if you get confused at some point when he's reading verses, he, he reads them in English. But then when he gets to the Hebrew word, he reads it in Hebrew. Um, so if you get confused at that point, just supply the word hope, okay? And uh, that will keep us all tracking. So let, let's take a look.
1: So let's say you want to describe the feeling of anticipating a future that's better than the present. You might be giddy or excited or maybe unsure, but most of us know that experience. We call it hope. It's a state of anticipation, and it's crucial for healthy human existence. And it's a really important concept in the Bible. In fact, there are many words for hope in the ancient languages of the Bible, and they're all fascinating. In the Old Testament, there are two main Hebrew words translated as hope. The first is Yachal, which means simply to wait for. Like in the story of Noah and the Ark, as the flood waters recede, Noah had to yachal for weeks. The other Hebrew word is kava, which also means to wait. It's related to the Hebrew word kav, which means cord. When you pull a kav tight, you produce a state of tension until there's release. That's kava. The feeling of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. The prophet Isaiah depicts God as a farmer who plants vines and kavahs for good grapes. Or the prophet Micah talks about farmers who both kavah and yachal for morning dew to give moisture to the land. So in biblical Hebrew, hope is about waiting or expectation. But waiting for what? In the period of Israel's prophets, as the nation was sinking into self-destruction, Isaiah said, at this moment, the Lord's hiding his face from Israel, so I will kavah for him. The only hope Isaiah had in those dark days was the hope for God himself. You find this same notion of hope all over the book of Psalms, where these words appear over 40 times. In almost every case, what people are waiting for is God. Like in Psalm 130, the poet cries out from a pit of despair, I kavah for the Lord, let Israel yachal for the Lord, because he's loyal and will redeem Israel from its sins. Biblical hope is based on a person, which makes it different from optimism. Optimism is about choosing to see in any situation how circumstances could work out for the best. But biblical hope is not focused on circumstances. In fact, hopeful people in the Bible often recognize there's no evidence things will get better. But you choose hope anyway. Like the prophet Hosea. He lived in a dark time when Israel was being oppressed by foreign empires. And he chose hope when he said God could turn this valley of trouble into a door of hope. Like the day when Israel came up from the land of Egypt. God had surprised his people with redemption back in the days of the Exodus. And he could do so again. So it's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backward, trusting in nothing other than God's character. It's like the poet of Psalm 39 who says, And now, O Lord, what else can I kava for? You are my yachal. In the New Testament, the earliest followers of Jesus cultivated this similar habit of hope. They believed that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was God's surprising response to our slavery to evil and death. The empty tomb opened up a new door of hope, and they use the Greek word elpis to describe this anticipation. The Apostle Peter said that Jesus' resurrection opened up a living hope, that people can be reborn to become new and different kinds of humans. So Christian hope is bold, waiting for humanity and the whole universe to be rescued from evil and death. And some would say it's crazy, and maybe it is. But biblical hope isn't optimism based on the odds. It's a choice to wait for God to bring about a future that's as surprising as a crucified man rising from the dead. Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look forward. And so we wait. That's what the biblical words for hope are all about.
0: I thought that was a helpful video because of the imagery that you get and seeing the different uses. But there's, so there's these nuances of the word hope that we find in the Bible. One of the key ideas in there was this statement, I think, is God's past faithfulness motivates hope for the future. I, I would agree. I would agree. This is what kept God's people hoping and waiting for God's rescue plan. As they, they could look back to the the people in the past that God was faithful to. They could read their stories. They could know their, the history of God's interaction with his people. And they, they could trust in God for the future. Uh, they, God's people kept waiting for someone called the Messiah. And when he arrived, they, they recognized this is what we've been looking forward to. All of our hopes, all of our long-awaited hopes for all of God's people were met when Jesus came to earth. That's why so many of the songs we sing, the Christmas carols, actually highlight this issue of hope. Uh, I want to just highlight a, sh- a few of the carols. Look, we sung a few of these this morning, but a little town of Bethlehem, it has this line, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. If we, were, if we were to look back and and Think through how long God's people were waiting for God to, to send the Messiah. I mean, they were hoping and hoping and hoping and waiting and waiting. And then tonight, you know, this, this song reminds us that, that, that there's a point in time in history when God sent his son Jesus. Or in Hark the Herald Angels Sing, we, we sang that song a little earlier, it talks about, again, this idea of hoping. Late in, late in time, behold him come. That's the idea of come. That's tied to the hope. We're waiting on someone to come. And then, you know, this song identifies who that is offspring of the virgin's womb. That's a reference to a messianic a prophecy about the Messiah. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead, see, that's a reference to God Himself has come and taken on flesh, flesh and blood. Hail the incarnate deity, please man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. The next verse it says, come, desire of nations, come. Joy to the world, another song that we sing. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. We're hoping in this. We're waiting for this. Let every heart prepare him room. And so when Jesus came, the wait was over. The wait was over. Our hope has been met in him. And so Matthew declared this about Jesus, Matthew twelve twenty one. in his name, the nations will put their hope. Matthew actually is referencing here in Matthew, the book of Matthew, he's referencing the prophet Isaiah. So the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus arrives and Jesus is born, is writing about is writing about one who would come and give the nations hope. Not This wasn't just for God's people, the Israelites, but this would extend out to all people, all nations, all tongues, all tribes. And so Matthew, again, he's pointing at Jesus and saying, he's here. This is him. The one we've been hoping for has arrived. And so our hope for the future is so important because it impacts our attitudes and it impacts our actions today. Whatever you're hoping in is impacting your 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 life right now. It's impacting your family life. It's, your hope is impacting the culture of your home right now. What's Christmas like at your house? Well, it, it really sort of depends on what your hope is. If you're, if you're wrapping up your hope in things of the world, then it can be sort of a rocky period of time during Christmas because there's stress tied to finances and family visiting and travel, and I hope it all goes well. But if your hope is in something more your hope is in God. Then your actions and your attitudes reflect that hope. That's why it's so important to hope in something that can be trusted. And that video captures, you know, the idea of the Greek word of hope. They use a slightly different uh, uh, definition of it, but here's what it means: hope is to look forward to that to, with confidence to that which is good, to that which is beneficial. Now. In the movie, Christmas Vacation, Clark Griswold, he puts his hope in shaky things, things that are just not going to stand. He wants the circumstances to all just come together. He tries to put together this epic family Christmas celebration, and you see the movie highlights just how far Clark is willing to go to make this happen for his family. Uh, but it's, living like that is such a dangerous hope. It lies squarely in cooperation. You're needing everyone to cooperate with your plan. Clark, no one's cooperating with his plan. (laughs) And everyone just keeps working against his his hope. And so there's all these attitudes and there's words and things that just go awry in the film. And he's real caught up in the nostalgia of what he really wants to experience. And he sets himself up for tremendous disappointment. Because in real life, we have to deal with the real, not the ideal. There's a, there's another aspect that is really really shaky that hope uh, a shaky aspect of, of Clark's hope that I think you know in our in our world we just wrestle through and it's tied to money. Clark is is putting a a lot of hope in a Christmas bonus coming through at the end of the year and so he's just waiting for this check to arrive from his company or. You know, and, and in his mind, this Christmas bonus should at least match what he'd received last year because he did better this year. And he won some award for inventing something for his company. He, come up, he came up with a, a new product. And so in his mind, he's going to get a giant bonus. And so what Clark does is he spends the money. He hasn't received the check yet, though. So he, he plans to buy his family something that they can all enjoy for years and years. And he takes a huge financial risk putting a deposit down on something i'm going to show you a scene from this uh, but he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting for the check to arrive and it just doesn't it doesn't arrive and finally there's a ring at the door and so here's the scene i can't
1: believe it what is it a letter confirming your reservation at the nut house it's from my company your bonus my bonus oh. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. 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 Open it, Clarkie. Open it. Oh. Yeah, I hope it's a fortune, Clarkie. <laughs> you do, Eddie. With this
0: bonus check, I'm putting in a swimming pool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the big one. <laughs> Drum <roll. laughs> okay. enough left over. I'm going to fly you all down here to help us dedicate. It. I can't swim, Clark. I know that, Eddie. <laughs>
0: So if you've seen the film, you know what it is. It's, he's, he's been given a membership for a year to the uh, Jelly of the Month Club. <laughs> so I guess that means he'll get a, he'll get a new flavor of jelly every month. <laughs> Can you imagine? It just makes you cringe to hear him speak about, you know, his pool and the expectations. He gets it all out there. He's put the money down on it. He's counting on that bonus, and his plans fell apart. You're going to have a lot of jelly. <laughs> some, probably some good jelly, but it's not going to pay for the pool. He'd already spent the money, though. He put his hope in something that's really shaky. Now look at the warning we get in the Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 6, he reads this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth. Those things are tied together. Those Those who are arrogant put hope in money. Believing that they they're, they're going to deliver, that they can put life together in a way they can guarantee how their financial future will look. Command those who are rich in this present world. Now, now, don't check yourself out if you think, oh, okay, I'm not rich, so I don't need to apply that to me. <laughs> According to the Bible writers, those who 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 wrote this, or Paul, who wrote this to the church, uh, to to this leader, you would all be rich. You have your needs met. You have you have money. You have more than enough. You have possessions. You have a lot of possessions. I mean, according to, to the Bible standards, you know, most, most Americans really are really rich. And so this really applies to all of us. We should not put our hope in wealth, though, he's saying. Why? Because it's so uncertain. It's shaky to do that. Instead, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. He's the one who richly provides us that with everything for our enjoyment. What a major contrast between of the impact of putting your hope in something like riches or circumstances versus putting your hope in the living God himself who has come through, who is faithful, who keeps his word, who whose character can be relied on. We do so much better to put our hope in him and allow him to arrange the circumstances in our life and provide the resources and the money that we need. If we focus on the riches and the stuff and the possessions that are out of out of our control, we are often disappointed when things just go haywire. Now, in contrast to a shaky hope, God gives us a hope that does not disappoint. Hoping in God is it's it's rock solid, it's reliable. It doesn't mean there's not difficulty, but you can count on God. God has done everything we need to provide for our spiritual well-being. Our hope is. Is not tied to the circumstances that we have here on earth, but in a person, God Himself. And so, I want to walk carefully through Romans chapter five, verses one through five. This fleshes out the hope of a Christ follower. So it says this: verses one and two reads, "Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access, access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope." ...of the glory of God. This passage, it gives us the heart of Christmas. At the heart of it is a celebration of what Jesus has done to restore our our relationship to God. This is why he stepped into our world, to give peace with God. That's what this verse is highlighting here. Is We can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God is not merely a, a lack of, of conflict. It's a deep sense of, of well-being. also reads, we've been justified... Through faith. And this idea of being justified through faith means you've been set free. Your guilt is removed. You've been acquitted. This is the very thing that we all need because every single person has gone our own way in life. We've all rebelled from God's plan. And thankfully, our guilt can be removed. We can have forgiveness of sin. All because of what God has done in the person of Jesus. He, he, on the cross, paid to buy your freedom. And through Jesus, the scripture goes on and says, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So we stand before God because of the grace, by the grace that's shown through Jesus. Not not by our own good works. We have access. That word access has to do with we can actually we have the right or we have the opportunity to address someone. We can address God now. We can relate to God. And this is our hope. It's at the heart of Christmas. We we can know God personally. We can be reconciled to our creator. This is, this, again, it shows up all over. Look at this hymn, O Holy Night. A thrill of hope. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new glorious morn. The world is weary and tired and frustrated and be, because it places hope in the wrong things, just like Clark Griswold did, placing hope in, in, his, in stuff and wealth, not God himself. But we can rejoice in knowing that God has come to earth. There's tremendous peace in knowing God personally. And so the passage says rejoice in that. Rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But not just that. It takes a turn, a strange turn in the passage. Look at where it goes in verses 3 through 5. It says we can also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Go ahead and go on. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He's given to us. So Christ's followers, we can choose a very, very different attitudes, attitude towards suffering. Suffering in this passage, it literally means a pressure or a pressing down, which it burdens us. Inside we feel that. And so... We're told, though, to rejoice in it, not because we enjoy going through the pain of of suffering, but because suffering itself is the gateway to hope as we walk through life with God. He's working through, even through suffering. So there's a process, you see. Here's the process. This is what God guides us through, from suffering to perseverance. You walk through difficult things. You walk through the pressure of life. You you, ex, you can build something called perseverance. Perseverance is the, the power to stand up under something, to stand up under pressure, to stand up under stress and hard things. Uh, you need perseverance in life because of what it results in. But perseverance only comes if you hang in and remain faithful under the pressures that you're feeling in your life. A lot of times we bail out from under difficulty and we, we just suffer and we lose hope. We, we don't... Understand what it was for because we don't hang in there long enough. We don't bear with the difficulties that come in our life. If you, if you bail too early, you miss out on the character that's developed because it says that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character. Character is this. Character means to try to learn the genuine genuineness of something by examination, by testing. It's often through actually using that. And so what that means is under pressure, we actually can choose to do things our way or we can do things God's way. And Whenever we do it our way, it's the same old thing. There's no, nothing new. We're disappointed. But if we do things God's way based on his principles, we find out God is real. We find out that his word is true and he leads us through the challenges to, to build things into us. And the process moves from, from suffering to perseverance, from perseverance to character, and from character it moves to hope. So Paul, he's writing about this process because he wants us to understand you have so much to hope in, he's saying. Hope in God who has bridged the gap from you, or for, that, that stood between you and him through the person of Jesus. But beyond that, he's building hope even through the difficulty that we're walking through. Earlier we mentioned this, that our hope for the future impacts our attitudes and actions today. If you, if you put your hope in things on the earth, then it will continue to be shaky. It will be sort of a, a roller coaster experience. If you try to do what he did and put your hope in the uncertainty of wealth, you'll be disappointed. Just be an up and down experience. But if you trust God and allow God to arrange the circumstances of your life for his purpose and to provide for you, then, then this Christmas season and the celebrations you're at, they can be a real joy. Because you can, you can have hope in, in him. Uh, and that can be a real help. I just want to encourage you, as you step into different environments, whether it's just your family celebrations, or if you're traveling, you're going to be spending time with, with people, um, uh, to, to be looking for opportunities to point people to the hope that we have in Christ to be sharing about it, to be sharing about your relationship with God to other people around you. Maybe your family members don't have hope. And maybe their hope is just attached so tightly to to circumstances going just right or to possessions. And maybe um, God can use you to be a blessing to people in your family. If you've never uh, decided to follow Christ, I would encourage you as a next step for this morning to consider committing your life to Jesus Christ. Uh, If you want to talk to one of our staff members, we'll be back at the guest information table. You can also let us know on the connection card if you'd like to learn more about how to begin a relationship with Jesus. We'll follow up with you. Uh, It might be that you need to refocus in the area of hope and that it's easy to get caught up in this season and to misplace our hope. And so I'd encourage you to just evaluate um, how you're doing in this area. And then last, uh, we have a family Christmas service coming up soon. We'd love to just... For many people that that's their first introduction to OCC. And so if you're in town, we would love it if you came and maybe brought someone with you. So use that flyer that was in the program. So uh, let's pray as we, as we close. Father, thank you for the living hope that we have in you. Thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness that you, that you have rescued us. Thank you for sending your son Jesus. Lord, to bridge the gap that existed and allowed us, and allows us now to approach you. We have access to you, God. And we thank you, Lord, for that. I pray that you'd strengthen us, Lord. Help us to develop that perseverance, that character that builds the hope that we have here and now, Lord. Thank you for the perspective that you give from your word. And Lord, how we see all around us, Lord, and we certainly can see on films the just the, the shaky, uh, unstable uh, footing that, that exists if we fall for the traps, Lord, of of the stuff or just the experiences, the circumstances. Lord, help us not to to do that, Lord. Help us to trust in you, God. Uh, you're so faithful, Lord, and we, we, we are so grateful, Lord, to know you and to... We thank you that you really hold us up and hold us together, Lord, as we walk through even the challenges right now, Lord. For those that are here that are struggling through things, I just pray for strength, Lord, that you would strengthen them, Father. That sometimes where there's nowhere else to turn, uh, we recognize we can turn, we, we really can turn to you. So, Lord, I pray that, that you would become more and more the one we run to for, for challenges, for difficulty, because uh, you are good and you are faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest
1: Community Church podcast.